This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors around the globe. If something in your life is making you feel stuck or you feel blocked from happiness, now is a great time to try therapy online. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try BetterHelp and also really help out this show, head to trybetterhelp.com slash helpmebeme for 10% off your first month of therapy. Thanks! Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode called Fostering Enoughness. It's about how to combat envy. So this is for anyone who is stuck in a feeling like you are not good enough or that your life decisions are not valid or maybe your life doesn't make sense to you. So this is a way to start to move into an active and inspired state. So if you are a person who is looking at others and you're feeling like you are falling short like you should have what they have, or maybe you're focusing on someone else's life and their stuff and their experiences and you're feeling resentful and you're wanting that stuff. And it's a painful feeling. It's one that we often really don't want to have and it kind of makes you feel heavy or small or um, the opposite of inspired. So if that sounds like you, this is an episode for you. And there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. So before I go any further on part one, the what, I have one giant caveat. Um, I, I want you to just to have this top of mind. If you are a person who is the victim of oppression, systemic racism, or if you are in any way hindered in your access to resources and or support, that is a major factor If you are suffering from feeling not enough or feeling envious. And so I would say this episode will touch on other facets of envy, but it does not tackle that factor, those factors, and how to deal with that in particular. And I would say that factor, those factors supersede everything else I have to talk about. And I think that is an episode unto itself. Um, So I just wanted to let you know that up front and and let you, I I want you to keep that top of mind. Because I would say if you are othered, or you are oppressed, or you're given less access to resources, including access to just basic respect or equality, then I would say probably that's a primary cause of these feelings. And that is real, and it is valid, and it is not something to put on yourself, because it deserves processing, validation, and externalizing in some form. So I didn't want you to listen to this and think that you should try harder to not let it get to you (laughs) because it's not on you. That is on everyone. And I think things like that are best 
when they are talked about openly and with others who are experiencing a similar form of oppression or discrimination, etc. So I would take that as like a, a step to take um, on top of taking what's helpful out of this episode. And if it's not helpful, ignore it. With all of my episodes, I want uh, nothing more than to help, but I can't know you as well as you know you. So take what helps and leave the rest. Okay, here's the what. Feeling like we didn't choose right, like that our life is a reflection of the fact that we made mistakes in our life choices and that our peers are doing better and that we are small or dumb. Or just feeling frustrated with what we have or more likely don't have to the point that we feel incapacitated and stunted. So like painful comparison. Maybe you're looking at something someone else has or does and you're feeling threatened or angry or even painful longing that results in low estimations of your own value and achievements. So this feeling is not inspiring or activating it's similar to looking at your feet and saying they're not walking I hate that they're not walking everyone else's feet are running so what I am speaking of is self-judgment or or looking outward and being envious and in research there are two brands of envy or feelings of aspiration there's benign and malicious so one you might equate more with respect and the other you would equate more with resent And the difference is that one is activating, and that is the benign form. And it comes when we can see less of a gap between us and them. And therefore, it is something we see as achievable. When it's malicious, on the other hand, it's something we perceive as impossible and far away, and therefore, it's experienced as threat. And this is deactivating, and it makes us take fewer risks. And it reduces our ability to leap high, to see our true potential. So we see benign envy as something the other's actions have, have achieved through merit. And it signals to us something that we can put effort toward to narrow the gap and restore um, equity between us and that other person. So we can do the math in our own head and we, we can see ourselves as having agency. We, we can see their advantages as deserved versus gifted. With malicious envy... And I will say it shouldn't necessarily, I think that's like a bad term because it places blame on the feeler. But with malicious, malicious envy, it's when we are deactivated and we might see that gap as impossible to achieve with effort. And because of that, we have the opposite response. We diminish ourselves or we tend to diminish the other um, rather than feel like they are worthy of that thing or feel that um, we could possibly do that thing. Or have that thing. Part two, the why. I have this why and I'm calling them layers because I think it it takes a bunch of different causes and they all kind of work together. So the layer one, I'm going to call ideals. Often when we feel resentful at others for living happy, successful lives, it's because some part of our own lives betray the ideals we hold for ourselves, whether or not those ideals are ours or they belong to other people. And that is key because often feeling we are not enough is some symptom of grasping. Like I like to describe it as this frozen trophy pose that many of us get stuck in. It's like that constant pursuit pose. And we end up in this pose for so long that we forget that life is actually lived right here 
in the active now where we have agency. And this is where things can be inspired or fun or spontaneous, and they can be our own to become satiated by. And there's a key difference in this moment and what we can often look at, look to as something to judge ourselves against, which would be something outside of us. The moment we live in now is dimensional and it's felt. And the image or the title or the badge or the sentence we look to use against ourselves is an idea. It's a concept. And we use it as a method of reducing our lives. We put it in a category. We put all of our, they become kind of reduced. They become small in all of our decisions, all of our experiences. We, we start to negate all of it from the perspective of how we live it. And instead, it becomes uh, this small summary. And that is how we negate um, our own felt presence in our lives. It's like a game of control for what is outside of me or a little dash of ground myself in an order that makes sense to me based on my past safety-seeking patterns. Wish you could see my air quotes, but it's what we do in order to feel like we are squarely in control of all of the elements that might hurt us around us or all of our interpretations of our own deficiencies. Like if we can put them in some sort of order, then we can feel safe with them. And we tend to do that to the point where we live out these sentences. And that is because we often feel the safest in roles that keep us the smallest. In this place, we can stay the same. We can reduce the amount of risk we take. We don't have to stray far from our norm. And we can unconsciously remain here in the not feeling confident, not being open-hearted and vulnerable state. Instead, in the I secretly feel insecure and no one can know it state. And we tend to covet our insecurity instead of airing it out and exposing it to the light and stumbling through it. So we can often feel secretly small and look at others thinking we are different than they are and we are not enough while they are plenty. And yet part of this habit comes from just that unconscious desire to stay here to stay safe here. It's bizarre. And in many ways, it's just a habit. But this state of pain can also be um, unconsciously just embedded into our muscle fibers. Like it's something that we have practiced for a very long time and we can't even see it anymore. And when we have those types of ideas about ourselves, it's like so much of our decision-making is unconscious and so much of what we will even bring to our conscious awareness is decided by those things that are, that are imperceptible to us. So that's why sometimes it's necessary to do a little bit of excavation and look at where we've been to see what might be influencing where we can't move to now, that some part of us is aware we want to move to. On a, in a conscious way. hope that made sense. Layer two in this why is I'm calling the split. Another reason we get stuck in feeling not enough is we have split and we are unable to recognize that moment in time. So we might feel that we should have a certain life or have certain things and maybe we really want certain things, but then 
oftentimes there's another part of us, a large part of us that does not want those things and is afraid of those things or is adverse to those things. They don't feel right. They don't fit because of an unconscious belief about ourselves. Some part of us that split off in a a moment of stress, in a moment of great tumult, in a, a redefining experience. So for example, we might have this split self that believes we are undeserving of happiness or a self that believes happiness is dangerous and that is when bad things happen. Therefore, we must run like mad if it, if it comes our way. So whatever it is, there's this unconscious person in you that got stuck there at a certain time in your life and that will be a current that pushes against another conscious belief um, that we have that we, you know, I really want intimacy. I really want a family. I really want stability. So we can, we can be fighting against ourselves in these ways that don't really make sense. Layer three in this why is an abandoned self. So this might be a person we embodied for most of our lives, but then they got abandoned when life went someplace where we were not expecting it to go or into a place we could not tolerate. So this might be a person you once were and something happened to you. Something you went through shifted your values. And once we can retrace and see the origins of this self, or we can retrace this moment or see this person, the part of ourselves can be mourned. And then that information can be owned as truly ours. And then we can reintegrate. I'm kind of truncating what could be a book on that one. All right, layer four, polarized values. So there's a fourth belief, or I would say cause to not feeling enough or being trapped by envy, benign or not. And that would be in the wanting to want something, but not wanting something, if that makes any sense. And feeling like there's something wrong with you because you don't want that thing. So for example, if you look at somebody's life and you think, I should have that. But then part of you is like, but if I truly wanted that, I would go for it. Why am I not going for that? It's one step removed. It's not that you are not possessing the gumption or the drive. It's like maybe you want to want that thing. Because that thing you see is what everybody else thinks is great. And that would mean that everybody gets you and that you have like a tribe and that you're not so alone in the world. But it's not true for you. And that is its own thing to mourn. (laughs) It's just not, not, I, I guess, wanting the popular happy in many ways. I would say there, there's something to accepting that as maybe valid. I think like when we can em- embrace that about ourselves and see maybe that's something good, you know, to not want something that's just, that's popular. I mean, it means that we encounter more problems or more loneliness, I guess. But if you look at something that's like, let's say the most popular value or the most popular view of success and a satisfied life. If you were to take it apart piece by piece and see everything that goes into it, the habits and the trajectory before it, 
the personality type that it involves, the future that follows it, you would probably see like, I don't necessarily want all of that. That all of that, if I'm living it will not make me happy. And if it did, I might be more drawn to it. Like you might want a a dress you see on Instagram or something like that. And you might see that, oh, that'd be beautiful to have that. But if you really take it apart, if you were to be a person that actually buys that dress, that identity of that person cares so much about stuff. And that person is so meticulous about shopping and being on and quaffed 24-7 and really thinking about beauty before rest and comfort. It's more than just a dress. It's all of the stuff that goes with it. And this is just a fragment of that reality. So just try that on for size. If you wanted all of that, you'd also be a different person and not necessarily living a life you truly find rewarding. So my goal for you is for you to find and place value in the life you truly find rewarding versus adopting a value in the popular life. And this comes about when we can recognize what might be blocking us and then supporting and proceeding from that awareness with love and compassion and hope, which is swiftly followed by inspiration and more love and serenity and eventually joy. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. Tool number one is called the petty dump. So this is a, it's from the book, The Artist, Artist's Way, which is a great read if you haven't read it. Um, I am now rereading it. It is one of the most important tools from that book. But if you are a person who gets stuck in the thoughts of, I'm not doing enough, I am futile, like futility is the name of your life right now, or you don't feel like what you're doing is right ever, then I would start a morning practice of writing three pages just of whatever comes to mind. Just get that shit out on paper. It's just like, it's like moving your bowels, only it's clearing your head. Sorry to bring up poop. Um, and if you're not a morning writer, but you are struggling with thoughts like these, poop them out at any time of the day. And I mean, literally just write three pages. If you're just, if your thoughts are bugging you, get them out of your brain because they are stinking up your energy. This is just a good practice for throughout your life. Whenever you're like, oh, my thought, my brain's bugging me, just write, 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 and then go about your day. Um, next tool I have for you is called When the Path Changed, and it is a dream assignment. So if this one is too heady for you, I have a tool after this that is a different version of this tool, so feel free to skip. So... <clears throat> If you are interested, I will invite you to, it's basically dream interpretation as a means to understanding what's operating in your unconscious. I do a lot of dream work. I fucking love it. I think it's the most efficient way to really unearth what your deepest longings are and things that you're not facing in your life that you should be. But that said, it takes, it takes a lot of patience and it can be really confusing it's um but it it is so incredibly effective a lot of people have a misunderstanding of dream work and they think of it as like if you buy a book of dream symbols then you'll be able to understand what your dream is about it has nothing to do with that I mean there are archetypes but that's kind of 
I would call it more advanced um, dream stuff that I'm not even, I haven't even gotten into yet. For these purposes, for this tool's purposes, this is just like a intro to dream work. How about that? <clears throat> so here's the first part of it. I want you to invite a dream to come to you, um, just enlightening you to what your deepest longings are, or perhaps what in your path has altered your life trajectory. Like, what has influenced where I am today? What has shown, what in my path has informed where I am today and what my life looks like today? So, because very much so, your life currently is a reflection of the values you hold unconsciously and consciously. And your life is actually working for you on those levels. And it is by doing this kind of inward looking that we can see we are not in fact stupid or lazy or incompetent. We have unconscious beliefs that are operating currently. And maybe we need to understand what they are so we can process them. And if we want to, we can let go of them or deliberately work with them. For example, for me, Somewhere along my path, I decided that security and safety and being grounded was very important to me. It was the most important thing to me. And my life now reflects that. I can see it in how I cling to things that are predictable and safe. Where I know I will be, I can, and I can hold on to things. So where I, I tend to stick is in that safety zone which is something that I I know about myself and therefore I I can work with it I can push myself to evolve out of that I can I know where it's coming from so this is a uh only something I've become recently very aware of because of some of the dream work I've done so I asked myself where did this belief come from I used to be such a kind of I don't know driven by I can do anything, inspiration, fearless, that kind of thing. And I would say, um, for me, the biggest change happened in uh, the last major trauma of my life. I married a person who was living a double life. And I was so traumatized by that, that since then, I began only seeking safety and groundedness. And now that I can see that shift that happened in, it also affected my professional trajectory now I can see what I am valuing and choosing to do on my conscious and also unconscious levels therefore I can tell myself more in a more supportive way maybe I am safe enough now maybe now it's time to grow out of that and move more freely to jump higher to be lighter to take greater leaps etc I kind of gave a truncated version of the dream work I did (laughs) It'll be weird if I tell you the dream. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of it. How about that? So this is your prompt. I want you to, if you are game, before you go to sleep tonight, ask in your journal or aloud, please show me a dream about whatever you want to know. So for example, show me what is currently keeping me blocked or dream, please enlighten me to something I need to know. Um, And as soon as you have a bizarre dream or any dream that kind of sticks with you, something that feels um, resonant in some way, I want you to write it down and just as best you can get out, get lean out of bed, pick up your pen, write that dream down. And once you have it and you remember it, 
you know what it will what that what the words say in the morning I want you to just go back to the energy of that dream and fill in as many of the details as you possibly can so if you can kind of like go into that half conscious state of just like all the stuff that was in it didn't make sense and like maybe this person was there but they were also this person I was kind of in this place but I was also in this other place if there was an animal there specifically write down the animal and now you have all these details when you do work on this dream I want you to take any location that was in the dream and ask yourself what does this place look like what does it kind of remind me of sometimes it'll be like a, a blend of a couple of places what is it similar to and just brain dump a bunch of different things and if you can figure out the one that sticks out the most that feels the most true the most has the most energy behind it ask yourself what does that place mean to me what time in my life is that place associated with what does it symbolically mean to me if it's a house if it's a location if it's an age you were that's your first major piece of information Next, if there are any animals, ask what is the instinct embodied by this animal? What part of you is this animal representing? Is it conformity? Is it your core? Is it your, it's usually your instincts in some shape or form. And the next thing I want you to ask, who are the people in your dream and what are they representing in you? Like what does that person represent like let, let's say there's th- two different people or three different people what do each of those people represent loosely anything that could possibly be associated and just highlight the one that feels like the most energy electricity is behind it and ask what part of me is this person representing what age of you is this representing what experience in you is this representing all of the people in your dream everything in your dream is a part of you so it's all telling you something about yourself. And even they'll, they'll, even the most bizarre associations, ha- they're cryptic. They're, they're speaking in metaphors about yourself. So if you have a setting in your dream, you would ask, when, when does this setting correlate to in my life? So this is a puzzle that it gets you like, uh, for the reason I love dream work is it's like, this is something you might arrive at after a month of talk therapy. And if you can get to the core of it, you can have insights that are just profound about yourself. And you can qu- kind of do quick um, personal growth in this way. I'm not trying to offer you a cheap, you know, quick fix, like throw away all that therapy and just buy a dream book instead. But if you are interested, I'm going to put a, a link to one of my favorite books in the show notes of this episode. Anyway, here is the journal version of that tool if that totally freaked your shit out. So this is called When the Path Changed, journal version. I want you to look at the unconscious wiring that this, that your life right now is serving. What is the inaction in your life helping in some way? What is you feeling small and hiding actually helping you do in your life? Like, so I here are some specific prompts. What does my life show me that I value? And then now I want, I want you to take something that's a negative symptom in your life, something you're unhappy with, and ask yourself, what can this also mean about me? 
often when I work with people in my audience, a lot of people are very split. And that is be- what I mean by that is they are doing things that they cannot understand. And those, thing- those things make them very unhappy. And yet they continue to do them. And that is usually because one of the things that that action is doing is providing them some sort of resource of some kind. It's serving a form of self-preservation. So now knowing that whatever is happening is coming from something you in that is, that is trying to survive. Now, what does that tell you about yourself? Because once we can notice it and trust it and dig a little deeper, we can see why it's totally logical for us to be doing that. And that is how we can forgive ourselves instead of staring at our feet and yelling at them for not running. That, that is how we can start to move into a compassionate set of actions. Action that is for you and at the speed needed for you versus at you and at the cost of you and all throughout feeling futile in, in all of your goals, you know? Um, okay, here are some more prompts if you weren't liking those ones. <laughs> what does your current life demonstrate to you that you value? What do I see in my path that is significant? Meaning, what are milestones when I changed in my life? When did your values shift to accommodate those milestones? So know that whatever conditions you have in your life right now and whatever lack of confidence or feelings of enoughness that you hold right now, there is a possibility to do a complete 180 at any stage of your life. So much can happen in such a short amount of time. The key is starting. It's just about starting. And then you're already in the process of unfolding. And the reason I wanted to make this episode is I want you to know the goal in life isn't necessarily to have what everyone else has and what everyone else says is good. It's for you to live a life that supports your inner self and rewards you for all of the reasons that you are who you are and including all of the path that you have walked. It integrates all of that and it comes out something something so much bigger and brighter as a result of that. It's We have to move out of that state of hiding and paralysis and choose the life we want to lead from a place of freedom. And maybe in that choice, you say like, no, I want to stay grounded and hiding and safe. Maybe that's what you want. It's just, I think you need the opportunity to be able to choose it versus it being chosen for you based on what you can't see. All right. The next tool, if this, then that I've given this one a couple times, but it applies in this situation. If this is true, then what else is true? This is an improv rule, but it also applies when you are looking at somebody outside of you or something outside of you and thinking, I should be more like that, or I should have more of that. That would make me happy. That would be better. This is a way to mentally work back to what is actually not true about that sentiment. If that would be true, what else would be true? Then you would have a completely different set of habits. You would lose so many of the habits that you, or items in your life that you treasure. 
So if you can extrapolate all of the other things that would also have to change for that thing to exist, you can eventually calculate that that is not something you in fact want. It would mean all of these other things would be catalyzed that would not necessarily reward you. Um, Okay, the next tool is called move, move the goalposts. And this is a journal reflection. Um, If you look at people in power or people who are famous or people who have, you know, the most likes, whatever it is, it does not mean they are necessarily better or more intelligent or happier. It's just that they are better at getting those symptoms, the likes, they are better at getting power. They are better getting at getting acclaim or notoriety. And that does not equal good. That does not equal happiness. It does not equal the life that would make you feel fulfilled. It's just the result of the things they happen to want and not necessarily what you would want. So I think a helpful journal reflection is to change your goalposts to be around things in your life that um, you value. So for example, this is the journal entry. How do you want to feel? How do you want to, uh, what do you want to believe about yourself? And what do you want to have in your life's ingredients? So this is not about like pointing at this external portrayal of something that will make you happy. This is about like, how do I want to live? How do I want to feel in my everyday life? These are better goals to move toward because it will lead us to actually more fruitful living, experienced living. All right. The next tool is called the heroes no one knows about. So sort of an overlap on this one. With social media, it's, social media is very disorienting. We didn't used to have people, you know, talking about their riches and their nice stuff <laughs> all the time, 24-7 in our eyeballs. Like, you know, people had like a radio and like a book of poetry. <laughs> and instead, now we are just constantly inputting imagery that is glamorous and striving based, you know, it's like we're constantly ingesting visuals of shiny objects. And that makes us equate it with better and normal and what we should have. And that is not necessarily true. So I want you to think about pick heroes in your life, anyone in any sphere who inspires you. Maybe it's one of your teachers, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your friend's mom, maybe it's your coworker, whoever it is, a person who lives in ways that seem to make them feel good. Maybe they are just well-rounded. Maybe they have all of the ingredients to make them um, very grateful by default. They have practices that make them grateful. I think it's really important for us to look at... um, things that are important to us within our family and within our heritage and with within our our personal um legacies so just look to someone in your life that you appreciate or respect who lives their life well by all measures not just external external or superficial next tool is called relief pills the key to envy lies in self-enhancement and knowledge and change must first focus on 
our internal accomplishments and then the external accomplishments follow. So focus right now, if you're suffering, focus on self-development. Like self-integration requires greater self-awareness and a focus on developing what we are good at. And this is how we also provide ourselves with relief. We become active and effective in something we have mastered and we show ourselves agency, a sense of agency. So the goal is to have healthier identifications based on affiliation, admiration, respect, and our roots. Envy tends to rest on the superficial or the symptom, not the holistic truth of a person or a life. So take a a relief pill. Take an action based in something that you know you have mastered. And really focus on building outwards from that. All right, the next tool is called reversible sweater. So just turn it around. (laughs) Like there's a mad face on the outside of the sweater. And so you just have to turn it inside out so it's a happy face. So I want you to try and reframe your feelings of just minus the ill will. If we can think of ourselves um, as like if we think we're feeling resentful or remorseful or we're we're turning things in on ourselves, or we're putting them on someone else and pushing them down, one way we can mentally think ourselves into a new place is we want to try and take that energy and ask ourselves how can we use this for the good and not the toxic because usually what this kind of energy does the negative energy does it's like a veiled excuse for us to wallow and not act and it reinforces our feelings of powerlessness of otherness and of separateness it puts us into a lower position it's often what what i often refer to as pedestaling So it's a way to put yourself in control of negative feelings of threat or insecurity. We place ourselves lower and we deem this as the cause. And this is where we we must stay. But this envy can also be motivating and activating. So I want you to rethink of it as something that is a gift of energy. What can this give me energy toward? What can this inspire you to act on? What's one action you can take based on this information? to better yourself in any direction. Like what could this thing gift you in the form of an action? Reverse that sweater. (laughs) All right, the next tool, mind the gap. This is an exercise to reduce the perceived gap between yourself and this other, whatever it is. So you are much closer than you think you are to whatever ideal you are placing on a pedestal. And the goal is to recognize that commonality that you share rather than seeing the differences. As we grow more open and we start to accept and own our discarded selves or become more tolerant to ourselves and accept the nuance, we're more able to identify the gray area and everything. And this is how we can be more tolerant, we can be more adaptive, we can be more open to change. So when we become fearful, that's when we become rigid. And when we Um, are in that state of envy we just we see things as ideal versus inadequate perfect versus imperfect and that is um, where we get stuck that's where we become inactive so for us to change we must first accept that feeling notice it but then soften to it you might feel this way but this is not necessarily true how my might I see myself as sharing the same core as this other person How might I see this person as similar to myself? So a simple shift in orientation such as this can help us 
get into a more flexible state, a more fluid state, a more adaptable state. And that's the goal. All right, the last tool is called tune your energy to beam of light. I want you to picture you have a dial on your chest and I'm turning it to beam of light. Success and being worthy and having your shit going on is an energy. It's a perspective and it can change in the blink of an eye. So envy that state of I'm not enough. It's, it's stifling, it's stunting. And when we have a loving attitude of excitement and enthusiasm and uh, I can do anything and I'm awesome, we, we are more effective. We are more powerful. We are more transcendent. Our life matches our energy. So I just want you to pick yourself turning up that dial on your chest to beam of light. So when you can come from that place in the moments that matter, you will be more resonant, you'll be more effective. And that setting is how I would like to live my life. So I want to offer that to you as well as just a mental reflection exercise. Next time you're about to go in into a situation that will call into question your own sense of enoughness or something you just want to own, you know, a moment you want to own in your life, just turn up that dial and remember your your spirit and your enthusiasm for being yourself you fill the room with just that with with what's already inside of you you are pure light i mean that in the most rational sense possible <laughs> before i close i want to thank my latest sponsors julia thank you so very much and a new monthly sponsor bethany thank you so very much and a huge donation from jennifer Thank you times a million. I love you guys. Appreciate you so much. If anyone out there has the means, donations really help out my show. If you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could put a review on iTunes, it helps me immensely. And if not, just share it with someone you think it could help. So in closing, as we get older and wiser and more integrated, we grow to see who we are and how that self is special and gifted. Our perception of the world of self and others becomes less harsh and we can see things from higher above like we can see the circuitry and how everything is linked and how it makes sense so when, when we can move from the state of feeling inadequate and fearful fearful and grow into that other side and kind of own all of those pieces this is how we get the most out of who we are it's in that transformation it's in that growth that is how we have the respect for our own path and we earn it in that transformation it's how we tune that light we surrender and we allow it to flow we allow who we are to flow without you know all of those obsolete blocks and then we also know the difference between you know where our energy is coming from we have that gift of perspective we can see when we're doing it at the cost of ourselves or we can see when it's actually making us feel joyful and more ourselves i just want you to leave you with this visual you are like a play-doh vac factory of spirit and joy and just like play-doh sometimes it dries out a little bit so you just gotta push a little bit harder and it'll squish out <laughs> but it's there who you were before all the pain and whatever has happened is still there so just squeeze it out <laughs> uh and i send you my love and smile. <laughs>